Hey, this is Shane Claiborne and Tony Campolo. The name of the show is From Across the Pond. We're recording over here on the east side of the United States, and uh, we're on every week at this time. Many of you join us every week. If you're new, thanks for joining us. We like talking about Jesus and justice, and we talk about red-letter Christianity. By that, we mean uh, the old Bibles used to have the words of Jesus. Some of them still do. They highlight them in red. Uh, so that we, we're, we're kind of raising the question, what if Jesus meant the stuff he said? What if we took those red letters in the Gospels and we lived like Jesus meant that stuff? So we have a, a lot of guests on this show that they themselves, their lives reflect the values of Jesus and the things that we see in the red letters. And this week we've got a Really, really exciting guest. I've been looking forward to this for a while. Uh, our, our guest today is... Pastor Harcourt Kleinfelter. I know him as Harky. That's his nickname. And he's uh, the former press officer of Martin Luther King. He was a close associate and friend of Dr. King. He was at so many of the things that I, I wasn't even born yet, but we read about, you know, the Riverside speech and the, the march on Selma in 1965. Harkey was there uh, uh, right with Dr. King and so many other heroes in our country. Um, so he's written a new book, uh, his own biography, uh, Life of Harcourt Kleinfelter, Globalizing the Dream of Dr. King. He, uh, for those of you over in the UK, he went to King's College uh, he also fell in love with his wife, Annalise, who is here in the studio with us. She was a Mennonite volunteer down in uh, uh, Georgia, part of a community down there. And they, in the middle of this movement, um, caught this vision of, of, of nonviolence that we, we see uh, in Jesus. When, when Jesus says, love your enemies, Tony and I like to say, when Jesus said, love your enemies, he probably meant we shouldn't kill them. You know, and Dr. King was one of those voices who he said, I've seen too much hate to hate. Uh, he said, we wear hatred down with love. Uh, one of the things Dr. King said is, uh, you can threaten the lives of our children and we will still love you. You can burn down our houses and we will still love you. You can put us in jail and we will still love you, but we will wear you down by our love. So that's, that's, uh, that's what you are a part of, brother. Thanks for joining us, Harky. Well, thank you. I feel well, really honored to be here. Tell us first how you uh, how you first got involved. You're from the states. You you live in in the Netherlands now. But um, how did you get involved in all this? And how did you meet Dr. King at first? I was studying at Yale Divinity School, and one of my roommates was a member of Dr. King's church, Homer McCall. And when Dr. King came to Bridgeport, Connecticut, there were so many people in the audience we couldn't get in. And we had to stand backstage. And when Dr. King came in with his big police escort, he walked right by the mayor and the other important people, went over to Homer and said, Homer, how are you doing in your study in Greek? And I had missed the march on Washington. And then I was so impressed with the fact that Dr. King, this famous person, was more interested in the parishioner from his church than he was from the mayor of a large city. And then I heard a warmed-up version of uh, uh, <clears throat> I Have a Dream. And this, together with the music, uh, really made a deep impression mm. upon me. And then the next year, Dr. King um, began the campaign to get in practice the right to vote 
for the black people in the South. And that was a campaign in Selma, Alabama. And <clears throat> there have been students from Yale that had gone down in vacations to help with the Civil Rights Movement. Mm. And there was uh, the famous Bloody Sunday when over 70 people were injured in a demonstration that had blocked, been blocked. And uh, there was a... I, <clears throat> Dr. King had called for people to come down, particularly clergy. And there was a white minister from Boston, Reverend James Reeb, and he went down there. And he was coming out of a black cafe, and he got clubbed in the head by some racist and lay in coma. And there was a little article about that in the paper, and I followed it, and then he died a couple of days later. There was a memorial service for him, and there was... a telephone connection to Selma and was surrounded by the police and there was a minister there and he said there's been a crucifixion here and we need people for a social resurrection mm. and I felt in my heart it's now my turn to go so I took two other people with me after having prayed all night in the chapel drove in a little Volkswagen Beetle all the way down 1,500 miles to Selma. And um, I remember I had to stand watch to make sure nobody put sugar in the gas tank while the others went in to call to see how they could get around the barricades. And I thought I could still turn back, but I didn't. And we drove in over the famous bridge where Bloody Sunday took place and came in Brown's Chapel, and uh, it was in the middle of the afternoon, and there was paper cups all over the floor, and people were sleeping on the pews. And then I went down to the barricade they called the Berlin Wall. And on the one side were all these policemen with heavy rifles and other uh, guns looking very scared. And on the side where I was now standing, there were old people, young people, and testifying, sing spirituals and freedom songs. And the one song that they sung that was typical of Selma was, I love everybody, I love everybody, I love everybody in my heart. Mm. And then it was an old spiritual, and they would sing, I love Jesus. And then they would say, I love Dr. King. And then they would say, I love Reverend Abernathy's right-hand man. And then they would say, I love George Wallace, the racist governor of Georgia, and I love state troopers, the same people who had beaten and clubbed their brothers and sisters or mothers or fathers. And they sang it with the same spirit. And that was my first uh, impression. Wow. I remember the voice you're listening to, for those that may have just joined us, is Harky Kleinfelter. And we, we first met when uh, I was over there in the Netherlands, and you, you told me that story. And, and had you thought a lot about nonviolence before Selma, or was this was this kind of a, a you know, massive introduction for you? I had, um, <clears throat> I had thought a lot about nonviolence. Um, I've always had one foot in the Quaker world. And um, 
Had you ever had it like put on trial? <laughs> you know, to where you've got to practice. It's one thing to read about it and think about it, and then That's to be like thing. faced with then, you know militarized that, police. That 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 comes later. But I wanted to say this real introduction with the nonviolence, and um, so uh, I had believed in, in the ideas of Jesus that you that you should love your neighbor and you should turn the other cheek. I'll come back to that. But I was studying in England. Uh, in King's College, and that was the high point of the, this is 61, 62, of the big demonstrations against the bomb. That's where the, the ban the bomb, you know, peace symbol comes from. And I got into a, a discussion late at night with one of the people in the student housing, and I said, well, I'm willing to turn the other cheek, but what I do to protect my sister and he said to me, how can you say that God loves your sister more than he loves the sister of somebody living in Moscow? How can you say that God has more love for your sister than that from somebody in Russia? I didn't have an answer. Mm. And then I saw this in practice in Selma in other places, because I, and then how, what happens with, with Dr. King, Dr. King's nonviolence was based not on the command, you shall not kill, that's negative, mm. but it was based upon Jesus' words, love your enemy. And Dr. King said, I'm glad that Jesus said, love your enemy, not like your enemy. <laughs> Because how can you like somebody who uh, beats your father and mothers and kills your friends? But you can love in the sense of having concern for the yeah. welfare just as much about his or her welfare as your welfare. And so, yeah. And so, Dr. King said, we have, we have a power that is greater than an atomic bomb mm. because an atomic bomb can only destroy. Only love can turn an enemy into a friend. Mm. And Dr. King's nonviolence was based upon the idea that uh, from out First John 4, Love is an antidote to fear. Mm. And um, Dr. King, I just want to say about, about um, the idea that violence and retaliation is built upon fear, yeah. people being afraid. Love can conquer that fear. Yeah. And um, I want to say that Dr. King is famous for his speech, um, his dream on the march on Washington. But he said in his Nobel Peace Prize that however great the victories uh, in the civil rights movement have been, the most important contribution to the world may be in that of nonviolence because the world what needs most is peace based not on retaliation, 
but on, a, on another means, and that is nonviolence. Uh, this is Tony Campolo and Shane Claiborne, and we're uh, interviewing Arky uh, Kleinfelter. Uh, he is a brother in Christ, and he has uh, been a, a worker alongside of Martin Luther King, serving as a press secretary. We're here every week at this time. The name of the show is uh, From Across the Pond, so named because we put the show together at uh, Cabrini University and Eastern University. These are two schools uh, across the road from each other. They're both Christian schools, and uh, Shane and I are both products of Eastern University. Uh, go to our website, redletterchristians.org, redletterchristians.org. We are part of the Red Letter Christians movement. We take the words of Jesus seriously. Whenever anybody asks me, are, are you a Christian? I said, I'm becoming a Christian. I'm saved because that's what Jesus did for me on the cross 2,000 years ago. But be, being like Jesus, am I like Christ? I'm on my way. So I always quote uh, the scriptures in, in, uh, uh, it, where it says in, in, in the Bible, not as though I've already achieved, not as though I've already apprehended, I'm still pressing towards the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Harky, I want to ask you a question. Uh, how has America changed uh, from the days of Martin Luther King to where it is right now? Most of the things that Dr. King said about in his dream of a day when little black children and little white children sons of slaveholders and sons of slaves would join hands together and sit down on the table of brotherhood. Uh, most of the things, at least for his own children, have, have been realized on the social level. Segregation has been ended. The, the right to vote was gained uh, for black people in the South. Uh, we have people like... Um, Opry Winfrey as one of the richest people uh, on television. So in this sense, there's been a, a marvelous change. We never expected that we would have a black president. I voted for Barack Obama, not because he was black, but because of the content of his character. On the other hand, the poverty, that's, that's Dr. King's last uh, campaign was the poor people's campaign to get a, a uh, guaranteed annual income and, and a dream that was never realized and hopefully it now is the time. But the poverty, and he, he brought together in that campaign poor whites, poor blacks, Native Americans, Hispanics together and um, <clears throat> But the poverty is now for everyone who's poor worse than it was 50 years ago. Mm, mm. There are more poor white people numerically than poor black people. So you see everywhere right here in, in um, Philadelphia, all these abandoned factories. So the poverty is worse now. But, and then the hate slogans and the racist language that I heard on the streets of Selma and in Mississippi yeah. from the capitals of those places and the streets. Now I'm hearing that from Washington. <clears throat> yeah. 
Oh, I mean, we even see some of the uh, uh, folks these days trying to uh, uh, go back, you know, and, and reverse some of uh, the, We see a lot of voter suppression in, you know, Georgia, Florida, North Carolina, a lot of places right now. So the, uh, the, the battle's still going, isn't it? And uh, as I, you know, as I think of uh, the, the witness of Dr. King, I, I keep re- rereading some of his sermons um, and when he said, the, you know, these are extreme times that we're living in, he said this 50 years ago when you were with him, um, the question isn't whether or not we will be extremists, but whether we will be extremists for love or for hate. Uh, and so many of those words ring true, um, but it can feel a long way off, though. I, I wonder if you have other memories. I mean, uh, when you when you t- talk about singing to the police and to the, the folks that— uh, uh, we're on the other side of, of issues and, and saying, we love you. There's not a lot of people singing that song today. <laughs> you know, we've got some major fault lines in our, our country politically and in uh, 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 so many ways. And, and I would like uh, Harkey to uh, tell us what he's doing now. He's, he's an old guy like I am, but he certainly hasn't uh, slowed down. So uh, uh, he was just telling me about driving all over the country. So what are you doing these days? And Pick up on Shane's question as well. Yeah. Now, um, I've always been involved in working with refugees. Um, I was in doing nonviolent training throughout, um, not only the Netherlands, but throughout Europe and earlier in, in the States. I'm still doing it. Um, I was just in El Paso. I, I lectured uh, for the university a couple of times and was involved in the nonviolent demonstrations where I did training for to save the old city from developers that want to just put an arena uh, and destroy the whole historic part of town. Uh, And also, uh, I was in another country in El Paso because I also spoke for the uh, Tijuana uh, Native Americans, and that is officially recognized uh, a, a, as a sovereign nation. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah and we, and, and we, and, uh, but over the refugees, to come back further, we were also involved with the refugees at this time when, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, we once had a country that was built on refugees. We welcomed them, famous words, uh, give them as you're tired, you're homeless, you're poor, yearning to be free. Yeah. Um, that's the opposite we see. And this wall being built there in El Paso in the middle of the city. So we were involved in a little bit of training was the refugee center there. And the same in Europe, um, the Christian peacemaker teams, which is based upon putting into practice Jesus' command to no, love no, your right. enemy. That's, that's a group that I, I got the chance to, I've worked a lot with Christian peacemaker teams. I went to Iraq with them. And um, uh, I mean, the whole idea is, is what if we mobilized for nonviolence with as much resources and passion as people have uh, mobilized for war and violence. So the, the voice that we've been listening to uh, today on our show is Harky Kleinfelter. He's written a new um, biography, autobiography called The Life of... Hartcourt Kleinfelter, Globalizing the Dream of Dr. King. It's in Dutch, but it's getting released uh, in English in the U.S. and Britain and in the U.K. Um, and, and as you think about uh, 
the message of Dr. King and the book um, and, and the memories that you have? Are there, is, is there a closing, you know, story that, that, that you think rings true to the world we live in? Uh, I wanted to say in closing, I said I would come back to it. How did you protect your sister? If you had in a demonstration somebody was being attacked yeah. with a club, if you went uh, John Wayne style uh, and tried to uh, attack the attacker, then his friends would come in to help him and your friends would come to help you and be in the shortest time you would have a riot on your hand. Mm. And it's the last thing you wanted to have in a nonviolent demonstration. So what we did instead of that, if somebody was being attacked, we threw our body over the person who was being attacked, thereby protecting the person, but not attacking the attacker. And then uh, if there were more people, they would throw their bodies over the other other people. Mm. And um, the usual reaction then might, so you spread the violence around. Um, and then the usual reaction from the attacker's friends would, hey, buddy, let's go get a drink. <laughs> Reverend Andrew G. Young, Dr. King's left-hand man, uh, as I might say, was later um, the first black Reverend representative in the South since Reconstruction, right. twice mayor of, of Atlanta, and later ambassador to the Franica Nazis under the United Nations under Carter. He is alive today because Willie Bolden threw his body over Andy's head when somebody was trying to beat his head in with an iron pipe. Mm. So this is the spirit which I saw. And mm. what I wanted to say is they killed the dreamer, but not the dream. And Dr. King always believed that unmerited suffering could be redemptive. So when Reverend Reeb was killed and I answered the call to go down and join the movement, his death meant new life for me. So yeah. that's what I want to say in conclusion. And Dr. King said, um, that I was going to say Harry Belafonte said of Dr. King, more people heard his message in the three days after his death, than all the years before. Mm. So this that is what said of Jesus as well. Yeah. Of course, that's yeah. what it's all about. It's this whole chain of of people who've done the same as Jesus. Well, we're coming to the end of a show. Uh, we've been talking to uh, Harky Kleinfelder, uh, a Dutch brother, uh, an American brother along with his wife, has been here in the studio. We haven't interviewed her. We'll have to talk to her sometime. <laughs> and uh, this is a show that's on every week at this time. It's uh, called From Across the Pond because we put it together here on the east coast of the United States, uh, and we advocate red-letter Christianity. Many of the old Bibles here in the United States had the words of Jesus highlighted in red. And uh, Shane has been for foremost in saying, it's time for us to take the words of Jesus seriously, to be doers of the word and not just listeners, to live out the red letters. Go to our website, 
redletterchristians.org. Find out about us, and there's a place where you can sign on and identify yourself as a Red Letter Christian. So uh, please we, give us a chance. Yeah, and uh, it, it's, it's uh, been incredible to talk to Harky Kleinfelter today. If, uh, I hope you'll read his book, Life of Harcourt Kleinfelter. And, um, and, and what's so beautiful about Dr. King is that he— he fell in love with Jesus, and the, and the nonviolence of Jesus that that uh, uh, we see is is what inspired him. And and we we got to ask the question: what what uh, what would the world look like if we lived that love uh, out right now? What, what what greater love is no one than this to lay down their life for another? And we've got a lot of lives that are at stake right now in the world. So uh, let's let Dr. King and our brother Harkey uh, inspire us to say. Uh, what if I lived my life uh, as if Jesus meant the things he said? So thanks for joining us. Like Tony said, go to our web- website, Red Letter Christians. There's a place there where you can uh, take the pledge and say, yes, I commit my life to Jesus and justice. So do that. And thanks for joining us. We're out of time. We'd, uh, uh, we're on every week at this th- this time, though. So keep keep joining us. And let's make sure we use our faith not just as a ticket into heaven, but as a uh, a way of engaging the world around us because the kingdom of God that Jesus talked about wasn't just something that we go up to when we die, but something we're to bring on earth while we live. The kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. So may it come on earth in the UK, in the US, all over the world.